Oh, God. Where am I? Hello, Laura. What? Who's that? What's going on? I want to play a game. Oh, God. You've heard of, like, saw traps, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, though I'm looking around, I'm seeing a lot less, like, a bear trap that's going to go the other opposite way than I would expect. What are you going to do? Am I going to dip in acid? Unless I, like... What, what, what is this? You have 30 minutes to accept a compliment without deflection. Otherwise, I'm going to tell you that you've caused me a minor inconvenience in front of all your friends, and they'll nod and agree and say that it sounds very much like you something you do. Live or die, play the game. Oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, this really shouldn't be so hard, this shouldn't be so hard. Okay, okay, just, just give me a compliment and I'll, I'll just not deflect. You're very kind. Oh no, 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 you're much kind. Oh, oh god, okay, try again, sorry, try again. You're a good and wonderful person and you deserve nice things. I believe that you believe that. Does that count? We're gonna be here a while. Remember, I'll be really disappointed. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnetdale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where two queer trans women, that's sus, we're wifey types, have a bit of a catch-up about media we've consumed in the week. Things we've played, watched and listened to. But nothing from a struck company. Nothing from a struck company. Uh, you know, while companies are on strike, we're avoiding talking about their stuff. Uh, but we also do silly voices and skits and just have a bit of a silly catch-up. Yeah. How are you doing? How am I doing? I'm... Sleepy, I'm a sleepy little bean, how are you? I'm a sleepy little bean too. Oh. I feel like I feel like ninety percent of episodes of this show <laughs> it's like, how are you doing? Sleepy little bean. Like that's that's usually where we're at. I mean it's a Tuesday. Tuesday's a Tuesday's a sleepy day. Tuesday's a sleepy day. You've only just gotten back into the work week, it's like, oh, oh I'm here. Oh. It's not like Monday's a short day for us either. No. It's like up early, do a full day of, of, of various works. <laughs> Work through the evening. Then, you know, UK, you stream, I edit video. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we should talk about some things we did in the week. What have you been playing this week? Well, we had a, we, we, we had a, a bumper board gaming session. We talked about well, that. We did. We had a board gaming weekend. We sure did. We sure did. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Uh, I was going to start with the, the 11 hours of pandemic. Legacy Season 2. We sure did play 11 <laughs> hours of Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Probably a little less than 11 hours. There was arriving at friend's house and also we stopped for food. But like, yeah, basically a full day of Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Yeah. Um, We talked about this before when we started playing Pandemic yes. Legacy Season 2 with this group of friends. It's So Legacy Season 2 takes the um, pandemic thing of... There are uh, four different viruses. They are appearing around the world, and you are trying to uh, act as a like a medical team who is mm. struggling for funding while the world is falling apart. And um, at, at every point, you are trying to remove cubes from the board of the of various colours and mm. and stop outbreaks and and stop various things. And plot happens around that that we won't spoil. Yeah. Season two is. That that all happened seventy one years ago, and now the world is very very different. But now there is there, there's these people, us, our, our characters. They live on these floating, yeah. um, 
cities, I guess. Maybe not even a city, but like floating uh, places uh, on the oceans uh, around the world. And for 71 years, they have kept supplies going to the mainland and, and protected all the people on the mainland uh, but being constantly mobbed by these uh, unknown uh, enemy called the Hollow Men, who just constantly seem to be destroying supplies. You assume for for stealing and so forth. Yeah. And uh, like rumor has it that you're running out of everything and you're not going to be able to keep supplying to people, and yeah. all your leaders have vanished. So yeah. Good luck. So a couple of things about our sort of big session of this uh, that we played this week. First of all, I really do think season two is harder with four players. 100%. Um, very specific- we walk season two. Yeah. So, like, look, let's say you're playing base pandemic with four players. Yep. Um, you have, you have a bit of a disadvantage with four players given that you have, um, you've got longer to get around to each person's turn. And if, if you've only got one person in a zone, uh, that needs to be, needs their turn to come back around. You've got to draw a lot of, uh, infection cards before it gets back to them. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of, sort of balanced a bit by the fact that right from the beginning of regular pandemic, you have the option to make, like, your fast travel routes to fly between bases. Mm-hmm. You start with pretty significant character, um, abilities that are significant enough to kind of, compensate for the four players yes plus as as like the first couple of months start to tick down you are getting less and less supplies well, this this is what i was gonna say is, is it specifically talking um legacy season two you don't start off with as significant a set of character buffs no. or that same level of ability to uh, to ping around the board no and those things along with like resources dwindling and the fact that because everything is a little bit spaghetti junction until you've like connected parts of the board up yes. it can be that that four turns of potentially waiting of like we're going to have to draw like eight cards out of, out of the infection deck before that person who's in the right place comes around again mm-hmm. is a lot bigger of a deal compared to say two player when we played it together yes. where like at most you're going to be drawing like four infection cards before that person can sort of pivot back to where they need to mm-hmm. be um, I really like season two's everything gets worse, 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 and then suddenly you start getting some ability to fight back. Like, that's... Those elements of the pacing, I really yes. enjoy. You are you are rewarded for your hard work for yes. things like searching places or expanding the map by doing reconnaissance work. Or, yeah. Um, although it, like, constantly seems a danger to be putting more things onto the, the grid, as mm. it's called, which is basically your complete, like, list yeah. of supply lines, it, you are kind of rewarded for that. And that, I think, also serves to the main thing that I am constantly saying with this game of you need to split up, take, like, an area that is going to be yours, yes. and focus on keeping just your little bit because yeah. as tempting as it is to bunch up and go, oh yeah, but if we meet up, I can hand you this card, and I can hand you that card, and I can I mean, hand you that card. It's 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 worth doing sometimes in situations where it's like I can give you enough cards in one turn to get you like the supply center you're trying to build. Yeah, but and we had a few games where we did do a really good job of of, of yeah. handling that. Um, but yes, it's I I do feel like this game does p- perhaps a better job than season one of everything like. 
really, really going to shit in a way that feels a little insurmountable, and then suddenly you just touch that one thing on the map that uncovers something, and suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, oh, oh, we have options. Everything feels a lot more possible suddenly. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that's quite uh, good now is... Um, we have unlocked like a new mechanic or, or two new mechanics in the last couple of games. One of them we have not even touched. Yes. And, and in the last couple of games, I was like, I'm going to try and start setting up a thing. And then <laughs> we we had some problems with some other uh, some other stuff. And all of a sudden, that whole plan kind of blew up in my face. Yeah. Um, and although we won that game, we did have to go from okay, well, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna try and set ourselves up for the best possible end to this because we're a little bit ahead yeah and we've got a little bit of time and <laughs> then and and it, I think it went all the way around the table maybe once maybe one and a half times before it did blow up on us but it absolutely did blow up on us. It was like, yes. Okay, you know we were holding out on ending this. We need to end this fucking yes. now. And and we had a few. And again, I really like pandemic's pacing, and I think Legacy, both season one and two, capture this as well really well. Which is that whole. So many games end up being we're on one like one turn either side of winning or losing. Mm-hmm. Like we had a few matches where we were like counting around the table, going, if we can get ra- back around to Jane. And Jane's turn, we can win, and then the cards being drawn at the end of the prior player's turn, just about to get to Jane, and we die. Or, oh god, we're down to one incident. Okay, we got back to that player. Okay, we win. I the that that nail biting pacing pandemic yeah. has always been really good at. Like, no matter which version you're playing, that seems to always be the pace. I, I think it, I think in four player it has been way better paced for that level of tension. Because I don't think we lost a single game of Legacy Season 2 when we were playing two-player. Yeah. And of six games we played on Sunday, we won four of them. Yeah. In two-player, again, I think the biggest difference is you are a lot more able to pivot. Uh, fewer incident cards get get drawn before you have a chance to backtrack and go be putting out a different fire. And that is helpful. Particularly in the early stages before you can hop around quickly. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying this as much this time as I did the first time. Yeah. It's It's been really fun to have an excuse to go back through this. Also, the fact that it's been like three years since we played it has been like... I know when we got through season one, it was still really fresh in my mind. Yeah. And there was a lot in my mind of, like, I... I don't want to say anything because I like I remember a lot of the, yeah. the big twists in it and I remember a lot of the stuff. So what I I tried to do to, to keep it as, as fair to, to uh, the other yes. players as possible was I'm just going to try and remember what my gutting instincts were from yes. that first game and just recreate my reactions from that. Yeah. And the, whereas with this one, it's been so long, I've I have genuinely forgotten a there's, lot of it. There's one mechanic that I think I remember what it does. And I'm not certain, but I'm like, I again, I tried to do the thing you were just describing of go with what I my gut was, you know, the last time around mm. as best I can. Um, you know, if a mechanic seems too good to be true, but you need it in certain situations, you know, y- you roll with your feelings and see how it plays out. Oh, if you're talking about the mechanic, I think you're talking about um, 
Not only do I think I vaguely remember the thing, but from a, a purely maths point of view, it makes sense doing what I have been doing that others necessarily yes, haven't. I think you are right to be doing so, but again, I'm trying to I'm trying to play it the way yeah. I the the way I did the first time. Yes. To, to but, but if anyone asks me, I I, yeah. I have been. I have. Uh, you've I given your, a couple of times yeah. of like, why would you do the thing? Why have you've you given your logic? Time? I was like, well, based on the rule, this rule yeah. that is is changing certain aspects of the game, it makes sense yeah. mathematically to have improve the, our odds of getting the good things skewed as possible in yeah. these directions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been re- it's been really nice to have an excuse and to to get back to this. Yeah, and it's really fun to have one of pa- Pandemic Legacy and Season Two in particular. Really does have that. Oh, just one more game. <laughs> we we were playing with a pair of people who were very sleepy. Yes. We brought some other games and they're like, oh, we're 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 probably we're a little too sleepy, sleepy to, to learn something new. new. So we were expecting like, oh, well, you know, maybe cut it off by six and head home so they yeah. can have an early night. Uh, and at like ten o'clock, it's like, yeah, we've got to finish the month though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. It was a good solid gaming day there. Uh, it really was. Um, and, yeah. and and well done to our hosts for staying awake that long after <laughs> one of them had z- literally zero sleep the night before. They, they did so, admirably. Well, well done. I'm yeah. very impressed. But yeah, had a good time going through that again and um, yeah. uh, in, enjoying how cleanly can we put stickers on this board oh. where the stickers are. We have a friend who has been putting those stickers on very well. Mm. Very impressed mm. by uh, by that sticker placement. Oh yes. Um. Yeah. Do we want to talk about other board gamey bits while we're here? Talk about some other things. Uh, so you got your first playthrough of, of Expeditions as yes. sequel to Zive. Yes. Which we we talked about this the other week because you we played it for the first time. Last week. Um. Yes. So this board game. Um. We've talked about Scythe before. It is that big war game with the sort of um um. 19, yeah, I was going to say steampunk mix. I don't it's think it's diesel, diesel punk. Diesel, diesel um, punk Nineteen twenty plus. It's an alternate. Um, yeah, a different weirdness happened uh, in World War One. Yes. It was fought with with mechs. Big, big, multiple hours sort of war game. Uh, expeditions, as as you probably said last week, um, is it, it does a really good job of capturing the vibe of Scythe in something much more mechanically simple and less time committee to jump into. Yeah, yeah. It it does a good job of simplifying its mechanics, but feeling tonally similar, but not just feeling like mini scythe. It has its yeah. own stuff going on. Yeah, and um, even with the uh, number of components, because rather than having a, a, a set board, it has these uh, hexagonal tiles that you place out. Um, you, obviously, they're all shuffled, so they're in different locations every time, but there is like, this is the layout you do, and this is how you go around it. Yeah. And despite that, I think still think it is easier to set up and tear down than base side. Yeah. I I like uh, the the randomness from how the hexes are set up, but that it's randomness within brackets, where it's like we're going to randomise all of the low level areas, randomise all the mid level areas, randomise all the high level areas, mm-hmm. and have them in their sort of be- uh, areas as you get deeper into the map. Yeah. Um, I like the twist on sides mechanic, where like sides thing is you have your like four things you can choose on a turn on a board and you put the thing on to go I'm doing this and I can't do that next turn and this is sort of the inverse where you have three options and you cover one up and can't do that this turn but you do the other two yes and you can't not do the same action twice in a row you can't cover the same action twice yeah uh which 
it's it, it it's very similar, but it's slightly different in way. It it feels like it would be easier to choose, but in some ways it's harder because you of how how you have to start forward thinking. Yeah, especially in, what you block in, like in future. Because uh, obviously this is the first time I had played against a real person. I'd played uh, a couple of games against the Automa, and obviously I'd, I'd played a two hander on my own, and I hadn't seen the engine building of this pop off quite as well as I did in in the game we played together. Like, I had one, it was just like, oh, this turn just spiralled because just a confluence of things. You did have, like, a three or four minute long, and this happened, and then that activates that, and that activates that. Yes. And I had a few, like, this area activates that, that area, which activates this area, so I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, I had a... It few was, little synergies going. Yeah, it was really fascinating. Um, I played a character I'd not done before. I played as, as Vesna, who um, I was going to say something about uh, Scythe, but I'm not going to because it's related to something secret. So, <laughs> but, um, but like, I like that. Obviously, you've got the uh, the player boards, which are sh- or the mech boards, I should say, which are, sh- are shuffled and and you get randomly dealt one or you randomly pick one. Those mechs each have. Uh, a mini associated with them and a very specific power that only applies to them. Like, one can move uh, up to one extra space than any of the others. One can tuck um, one of each uh, type of, of, of tuckable thing, be it uh, extra quests or uh, upgraded items or melded meteorite pieces. Um, one can... What was your one? You had you had an interesting one. Oh, yours. I can't remember. What my your my person generated red workers, which I could put the red worker on my wolf. No, to... no, and then the mech, the board. Oh, the 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 mech. Um, oh, I forget now. Yeah. Sorry, it's been it's been a it's been days. It has, but yeah, like all all five of the of the base mechs, they're not like associated to a particular color. So if like you yeah. always tend to play blue, which makes sense. Um, <laughs> so you can just go, okay, well, I've dealt the thing out. And rather than going, ah, yes, but the blue, fa- if I'm not playing the blue faction, I'm going to struggle to remember where I am on the board. With this, it's, I was dealt the thing. And then I took the, the blue snap on base. Yeah. And that is, that is my color. And that has nothing to do with then, like, being randomly dealt a character. So between randomly dealing characters, Randomly dealing out the um, setup positions for, uh, obviously the uh, the southern, central, and and northern uh, mm. regions, and then the randomness of of the the fucking deck being as it yeah. is. Yeah. And also, I just like that that there is just one deck that you shuffle, and that's it. Yeah. You don't have to worry about like oh, there's the the quests and the the um. Uh, the combat cards and, and everything else that you get in, in base side. Don't get me wrong, I fucking love that game. Yeah, but and it's a commitment. <laughs> it is a bit more of a commitment. Um, and it's, it, I think it is a very different puzzle. Yes. Like, it is, it doesn't, it doesn't feel quite as much of an engine builder as this. And yeah. Because to call base side a war game is not entirely Correct, but also it's like the most correct I can think of. <laughs> yeah, like there's some, obviously some area control and some um, uh, uh, move selection, as we talked about. There's uh, resource management. There's there's cards. There's money management. There's strategy around uh, obviously your popularity and your fucking yeah. power rankings. How you like? There's there's a whole bluffing mechanic with the fucking fighting aspect. Is is pretty fucking 
there's pretty fucking in depth. Yeah. But in a good way. Um, but yeah, I'm very much enjoying uh, expeditions. In very glad to be uh, trying it out uh, in in more players. Hopefully, we will we will get to to try like uh, four and more players soon. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. What about you? Have you played anything else? Um, are we? Uh, do we want to talk about the other board game thing we played? Uh, we played some Spirit Island together. Yes, it's that game about being sort of uh, spirits trying to drive all the invading white people off of an island. Yep. Um. We, I think we've talked about this before. I think we, we play- talked about this yeah. last week or the we, week. We played this years ago um, when we were early to board games and it was a lot to start with. It was. And also, like, I didn't know all the stuff about, like, read the errata, read this, read that, it the other. It feels a lot more manageable playing it this time around. It really does. And I think it helps that also that I have been playing a lot of it recently in solo. Yeah. That I can just sort of talk you through the important bits and also, like, run... Run the like in between our player turn bits really yeah. easily, and all you have to worry about is your own character. You you play one of the low complexity ones. Yeah, but we talked about the whole aspect system of like like now you know that character. Maybe you could play that yeah. with just a slightly different aspect next yeah. time. A summary of how the game went: I was the rivers pushing all the people towards the coast. You were the ocean pulling people in and drowning them. And yep. right at the end, there was there was some people in a corner we were having trouble with. I murdered them with bears. Yay! Bear murder. It was a fun time. It was a really fun time. And I really love playing as, as that combination. I think mm. the last time we played together, we also played that combination. It seemed like a sensible combo that had synergy. Yeah, it's really fun because... And also, like, it, it's not a big problem for somebody playing a uh, low complexity spirit to be playing with somebody with a, a moderate or even high complexity spirit because y- you've only got to worry about what's on your own board. Yeah. So if somebody's like, well, I want something a bit crunchier while you're getting on with your like slightly simpler like action choices, you've still got to pick like what card you're going to use and how you're going to use yeah. it and how you're going to strategize. And you know that that's you know there's still plenty to be getting on with. Yeah, it's not a, not not a not a, a basic game even at its most basic because there's you know tons of strategy and, and forward planning and um, cooperation and 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 trying to f- fill the gaps in e- in each uh, spirit's um, like what their strengths strength and weaknesses are. Like you had a lot of uh, was it control and attack? I think. Yeah. Or control and movement, and I had a lot of fear and um. Oh, you, you had defense. I had a lot of attack and fear, and you had control and defense. Yeah, which uh, worked out really nicely. But yeah, that was that was Spirit Island. But uh, nice, nice to be playing together somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What have, What else? What have you played? Oh, I played a wonderful, complex uh, video game did this it? week. Um, that I'm going to talk minimally about because I don't want to spoil too much because it's fairly short. Uh, I played a game called Venba, which is maybe two hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a narrative-heavy game with some light um, cooking puzzle elements that I'll get to in a second uh, that tells the story of multiple decades of a family's life, but specifically a woman called Venba who moved to Canada from India with her husband. Um, and Canada wasn't going great for them. They moved there in the late 80s. Um, Vember finds out she's pregnant. They decide to stay in Canada to raise their kid there. And it is 
a story about the role that food plays in cultural tradition and in keeping a sense of cultural identity alive when you are far away from home or far away from the people you share community with, perhaps in a place that there aren't many other people for you to find that community with. Mm. Um, mechanically, it is, I would say, a puzzle game in that it is a cooking game where you have a... Basically, you've got Vember's mum's old um, recipe book. There's damage to it. There's bits that are missing. It's an old, very well-loved cooking book. And it is trying to follow the steps in the cookery book and from context work out, like, the things that are missing, what you need to be doing. Yeah, and not, not just, I think, uh, I mean, from from what I saw, I only watched, like, the last yeah. 40 minutes or so of you you playing this on stream, because uh, I was busy. Um, but the, that whole thing of, I wrote this cookery book for myself, not as something to pass on, and I know how this piece of equipment is used, or I know yeah. what, I know what I mean by this particular yeah. shortening of a term. And it's it's sort of a mixture of things like um like trying to remember like oh decades ago I remember cooking this with my mum like what did we do it was something like this and uh what it it is very much about like cookery as experimentation and discovering culture through you know through failure and trying again mm. and the puzzle element isn't there to stop you progressing it is there to reinforce the nature of the sort of back and forth relationship you're having with these recipes and the person who wrote them. And does how well you do with the recipes do anything to the narrative? Or? Nope. Um, it is just, there is very little punishment. It is experiment around until you make progress and mm -hmm. then the plot keeps going. Um, there are some little branches narratively that don't change how it ultimately works out, but can let you focus in on finding out a bit more about certain aspects mm. of how things play out. Um, it's maybe two hours long. It is beautiful. It's heartwarming, heartbreaking. Um, it's complicated. It is, it is, <laughs> like people. It, yeah, it is, it is messy in a very human way. Yes. Um, the biggest compliment I can give this game, uh, and it's, it's writing narratively is there were, there were a good three or four points in this where, like, something something happened and it got me emotionally and I had to stop and just, you know, have have some emotions for a second. And it's... I'm not going to say it's easy to get that kind of response out of someone with, uh, you know, in, in storytelling, but it's easier to get that reaction when you do sort of a big, grand moment that's sort of deliberately aiming to get that response from mm. you, I think. But what... Those were never the moments in this that got me. It was always really small, subtle details, often ones that the game makes zero effort to point out to you. Hmm. That you might be like three minutes into a scene and suddenly notice I've something. I've drawn context from something. Yeah, yeah. Like, without spoiling too much, I was like three minutes into a scene and realised, oh, that item of clothing has been a certain way in this scene that tells me something about that scene 11 years ago that the game... And, like, the fact that it's still this way 11 years later, I've just got to stop for a second. Oh. Or that prop in the background in the back of the room tells me about a decision some character made off-screen that, like, they didn't t show it happening, 
but you can put the piece together and suddenly go, oh, that happened. And I think that takes a lot of trust in your audience to do. And those moments and the fact that, like, I got a few minutes into a scene and suddenly noticed one in the middle of a conversation was really special. Mm -hmm. Um, As I sort of mentioned briefly there, one thing that, like, I played this on stream and one thing that some people in chat didn't enjoy, I personally disagree, I think it's great, but I think it's worth noting, is that this game has some notable time skips in the way it tells its narrative. Mm -hmm. Um... I personally think that the game makes great use of that. It doesn't stick around any one point in this story beyond the... Like, first of all, it doesn't stick around if there's nothing new to tell you about these characters and their relationships at this point in their life. Yeah. It jumps between the places where pivotal moments happen. But I also Does think... Does it necessarily tell you that that's happening, or do you just have to sort of work there out... Is a, there is a calendar on the wall, okay. and a scene will start, and the calendar will have a new year on it, and you'll go, I, I guess we jumped forward this this amount of time. Right. Um, but the thing... And I'm trying to work out how to say this in a spoiler-free way. <laughs> the thing I think that this does really well is, because there are sometimes fairly significant jumps in time, it allows you to make assumptions about how character relationships might have changed or might have stayed the same. And it plays with those expectations to... It's sort of like with horror and comedy where you sort of set up an expectation and then like either go with it or subvert it. Yeah. This does a great job of that, where it's like, enough time has passed that things might be different from last time we saw. Are they different or are they the same? Tension and release, is it a callback or is it... Uh, yeah, is... A, a, yeah. Like a, a bigger skew on that? Is this a turning point or is this a reinforcement? Mm. And that, I think, is really effective. Um, again, I don't want to say too much more about it. It's it's beautiful. The soundtrack's gorgeous. The art style's wonderful. Um, it is a beautiful, fascinating, uh, fascinating game. Go check it out. Uh, what about you? What you played this week? I played uh, the Wandering Village preview. Um, There's the joy of Xbox Game Pass. They, rather than calling it like early access or anything, it's just yeah. like it's a preview. This is that city builder on the back of a big turtle-looking fella. Is well, it's it's more like a brontosaurus with weird spikes. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's an it's an onbu, and uh, basically you live in a world that is. Um, being choked with with poisons, some sort of spores, and uh, you are like a people basically on the uh, on the brink of extinction, and all of a sudden you're sort of wandering nomadically <laughs> through the wastes of this world, and um, this creature wakes up from underground, thought thought to be entirely extinct, and um, you're like. The Onbu, cool. There's everyone on the Onbu. We're gonna live on the Onbu now, <laughs> and you, uh, you, you, you are basically like, hey, previous village elders, like I'm kind of too old, but you're kind, of, you're the leader now, so I'm gonna teach you everything I know from a book about when we used to live places rather than being nomadic, <laughs> and and like, the, I think that's basically the the plot of the tutorial. I don't know if that stuff happens if you're playing without the tutorial but it was my first couple of games and I, I wanted the backup there yeah yeah my, that is my experience too I don't know if that's different if you skip it and it's um so initially it's like okay well people need somewhere to live so builds like housing or, or, or very basic uh housing 
then start making ways of processing things like food? Are we going to start farming? Are we going to be growing mushrooms? And are we researching various different types of food stuff? Because as we travel through the world, or as the Onbu travels through the world, it's going to want it's going to wander through hotter or colder climates, so some stuff isn't going to survive. And if you don't have a way of growing both, say, cactus, which will store water, mm-hmm. and, um, say, beets, which survive in, in much colder areas, then you need to be... And, and obviously in the colder areas, you can just use your... Uh, I think they call them sky wells, but they look like weird stills. Mm. And it's like, you're not going to have water in an area. So if you want to keep growing crops and a crop that grows in this sort of weather, you're going to need to be growing something else alongside it, which means you're going to need more farms because you can't (laughs) grow two crops on the same farm, even if they're like fairly next to each other. Mm. And even like the design of farms is, is fairly like freeform. You plunk a thing in the middle of it. And then there are all these spaces around it that you can choose to start um, farming, like like des- designating as farming spots. Mm. But that will all be one crop. And then there's the whole like, do I put more people on this? Do I uh, do I put less people on it so that I can send one of my very few people uh, over to do like a, a slightly different job? Mm. Meanwhile, you're obviously trying to do all the researching stuff of. The, the the person who blows the horn to try and give on boo commands, who may or may not even listen to them. Depends how much he likes you. And so far, the on has has done has 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 been willing to accept uh, my requests. Like, oh, we're about to pass through a big poisonous area. Could you run through that? Rather than walking, so that we get through as fast as possible. It, it's in it's in everyone's interest for you to do that, right? Uh, and the Ombu does get poisoned, and yeah. so obviously it could do that. But obviously, eventually, Ombu gets sleepy. So usually, if possible, it will find like uh, uh, like those what what is it like cotton trees? The, oh the, yeah, uh, I can't I can't remember what the thing yeah. is. Um, the the trees that do the big fluffy cottony bits yeah. and. Um, It'll just, like, find a field of, of that stuff and it'll just lie down in it. Yeah. So be like, I have a little nap here, I'm going to have a little sleepy here. Um, you can do, like, a whole thing of, of, of setting up a winch near its bum to do uh, <laughs> dung collection, which you can then turn into compost, which helps with all your farming stuff. Uh, so I played two runs of this. The first one I played on the stream, I misunderstood a couple of the mechanics for slightly too long, and that meant that basically almost the entire area on the back of Onbu was absolutely covered in poisoned stuff that I could not get rid of because it was there was just too much of it. And then there wasn't any space to do any farming, and that that caused problems. The other one, I felt like I was doing really really well. I I like got like a really long way into the game, most of the way through, uh, a lot of the different research trees, and. All of a sudden, I think we just had a like a whole thing of we'd gone into a, a different biome, and somebody died from something unexpected, which meant that we now had one slight too few people, which meant that we weren't able to farm as much corn and uh, cactus, and we didn't have any water, and the people who were still there were refusing to do any farming, 
So we went from like a population of nearly 30 to two who would not farm to save their lives. At which point I was like, well, fuck you. I'm just going to quit. But yeah, second round went much better, kind of. And I I got like better mechanics down. But um, it really did feel like it like turned on a dime on me. And um, I'm curious how how close that they think this is to to completed like is there going to be stuff that will help with that or 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 am i just really bad at the game because i'm only playing in like tutorial mode um it's like you get to a certain point and you will just drop into like like novice gameplay level i mm. dread to think what well, this is like at harder harder levels <laughs> i'm guess that the onbu is maybe less willing to listen to your commands and stuff but since a lot of my commands are maybe have a just a nice sit down or could you run so we don't all get poisoned, including you? Um, I, I had quite fun uh, building a, a food trebuchet. <laughs> it's like, oh, we are, we are through an area and I can see that Ombu's um, got the rumblies in the tumbly. But there's, there's like whole mechanics for, oh, um, it would be really good if you could get um, some, some stuff out of the Ombu's gallbladder. You're going to need to drill into the Ombu for that. It's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. We thought this species was extinct. We are on the brink of extinction, and you're talking like, oh yeah, we're just going to draw some blood out of it for stuff. We're just going to, like, drill into its gallbladder for stuff. It will get upset, and it won't trust us as much, but it will, we will, we will have achieved the things we want. Uh. There's, there's, there's these, um, like, spikes that grow out of its back, and... Like, the, I get the impression that... Because if you click on them, it's like, this is worth 100 stone. <laughs> it's like, at some point, you're going to tell me, like, I could just chop off spikes because they, the growth of this yeah. creature I live on is inconvenient to me. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, I haven't got that far with it, but it feels like it could get... That, that is uh, definitely on the table. <laughs> no, it's on the onboo. <laughs> Maybe the table is also on the onboo, and then the thing is on the onboo. Yeah, I guess so. Um, fascinating game. I am glad I got to play it. Um, I don't know if it's just balls hard and it's me, but like, it feels like it is simultaneously too slow at like one time speed mm. to like have the decisions you need to make and not giving you enough feedback that things are going wrong to play at a higher speed to mitigate the... There hasn't been much to do. Because there is... Mm. At single speed, there is a lot of... Okay, well, you've you've told them to go and cut down just the oldest trees so that the you, there will be a chance for more growth. But now you've got issues of, 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 of various other kinds. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a struggle, but I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it, and, and I will probably give it a bit yeah. more of a try. Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else? Uh, I'm not, no, I've not really played much else. Were you got anything else you, you want to talk about? Uh, I'm going to say them. <gasps> well then, time for this. Okay now, tech bros, we're going to have a little lesson about AI. Ooh. Yeah, ooh. Now. What do we use AI for? Uh, uh, making cool toy robots. That's, that's a good way to, to do that. Okay, does anyone else have any ideas? Um, um, it's solving hard math problems. Yes, yes. Okay, anyone else? A remotely operating machinery in dangerous environments. Very good indeed. Okay, 
Anyone else? Uh, doing doing paintings and and writing stories and and poetry and 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 and, and making all the films that because of the, the not films and I'm bored of not no films no more so I get more films because of the AI. No, that's bad. You go you you sit on the naughty step. Come on. On the oh no no you can't take toys with you. On the naughty step. Remember, children, art. And acting and writing and poetry. These are for people jobs. These are people jobs. We make the AI so that we don't have to do the boring jobs, the hard jobs, the jobs people don't want to do. And then we make the world a more beautiful place. Yeah. Right, 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 everyone. Right, everyone. Um, this strike's still going. Yes, I have noticed that. I mean, we tried cutting the trees down, we set the sidewalk on fire, we tried setting up that large lens in a car park across the road being suspended by a cherry picker so it would just burn them with the sun and it just doesn't seem to have done anything yet. No, so I think we've got to find some ways to get around this strike action because right, right now, no one's making no one's writing the films, no one's acting the films, no one's right. reviewing right. the, the, you know, uh, promoting the films. So I thought, right. can we do a last-minute pivot and take all of our pro projects we have in the works or we want to be in the works and right. make yes. them technically not movies? Right. Will that right. get us around the strike? I, I've been I've been workshopping. I've been workshopping. Right. Right. What have you got? So what if we what if we what if we uh, take one of our sort of movies and we just put it in theaters? Just as the audio description track. There's nothing on screen. In theatres? Yeah, well, I mean, it could, it could be in theatres, wherever we want to distribute it. Right. We just put the audio description track out for no visuals, and we say it's an audio drama. Well, I mean, it feels more like something you'd put on Listenable, and since we, uh, since I mean, we have it all uh, of Listenable, we could probably put it on there, I right? mean, maybe, maybe, yes. It's, it's like, oh, yes, it's the next... It's a Listenable exclusive. Yes, the next superhero movie is, is an audio drama. Exactly. Um, uh, other ideas. Uh, this one we might need to we might need to use the streaming service. You know they had that um, they had that streaming program that sort of had a little bit of interactivity. Oh, yeah, you remember the one? Uh, yes, but uh, I mean that still seems quite like quite a lot of work. Is there well, any way we could do well, well, that with less effort? Well, that's what I was thinking. Is like the technology exists for you interact with the pre-filmed thing. Yeah, I'm thinking we put our film on streaming services. And at some point, you have to press one button once to prog to progress to the next scene. It's like, oh, that you have to press the button that makes uh, the the the. Oh, it's the big, it's the block point. Uh, you, you must the, press the button. Yes, you are complicit. You do it. Or you know, even if there's no button in the film, just oh, that door needs opening. We just put a door on screen and be like, open the door. You open the door and you keep going. Now it's a video game, right? And right, therefore, yes. it's not a movie or a TV show, and we can get around the strikes. There's some sort of boulder near some lava. How will we get past it? Quest to punch. Exactly, exactly. So that as we got, we are so strong. We can turn we can turn uh, movies into audio dramas. We can yes. turn them into, into video games. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I suppose we could just publish the script and go. It's a book. I mean, I suppose that is how books work. That is how well. books work. I'm pretty sure. Yes. So there you go. We're not we're not movies or TV shows. We mm. are audio mm. dramas and video games and mm. books. Mm. Therefore. We mm. are exempt from the strike. Mm. I think. I think mm. that makes sense. Mm. I, well, I, I think I would make you correct in that. Absolutely. And I think. Th I think the uh, the striking workers will have no choice but to bow to our very big, big brains. Yeah, I must say it's very clever of you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So, huh, 
What have you put in your eyes? Well, we put one main thing in our eyes. The main thing? Yeah, we went to the theatre. We did, we went to the theatre. Yeah, you took me out on a date night. Oh. We went to see Bleak Expectations. We did. Uh, which is uh, a, sta- a stage play adaptation of a early 2000s BBC Radio 4 audio drama? Yes. Is that a good way to describe it? It's a it's a comedy radio drama in the style of um, the novels of, of Ch- um, Charles Dickens. Um, obviously, the name itself is a, a jammed together of bleak house and great expectations. Um, yeah, I was going to say a portmanteau, but it's no. Two I was going to say the same. It's, it's a kind of a amalgamation. Amalgam, yes. Yes. So the basic plot. Is it's following the story of uh, Philip Fi- Bin, Philip Bin, the eventual inventor of the bin, um, and his back and forth uh, issues with his nemesis, uh, Mister Gently Benevolent. Benevolent. Uh, if you hadn't guessed, the name's a bit of a misnomer. He's n- neither <gasps> gently nor uh, gentle nor benevolent. Uh, what about his father's other business pars- par- partner, Mister Skinflint Parsimonious, uh, who is the most generous of men? The most generous of men. Um, it is the this was this stage show was about two hours, two and a half, including interval. Um, it was very high energy and very high pace. Yes, never. Uh, chaotically so. It it was always very deliberate, yes. but I am very impressed at that cast's ability to play very exaggerated to the back of the room as quickly and consistently as they do. Yes. Um. Very very funny show. Yeah. Um. But it was a uh, basically a compressed version of the first season of of, of the radio show. Yeah. Um. I would say like. If, if I think the original was six episodes, and this is at least four episodes worth of content. Yeah, the the way I would say this is paced is like you've got four sort of mini stories that are built as part of one large story. Yes. So like each half of the show is about fifty percent this period of life, about fifty percent this period of life. Yes. So you, um, you have the, obviously the the happy childhood of growing up in a. In a wealthy house in a wealthy part of London with wealthy parents. Um, father goes off to go and exploit some part of the world. Um, dies at the point when he was just about to uh, consider paying the workers and, and, and giving them a portion of the profits and, and yeah. so forth. And he may have accidentally possibly been pushed off and definitely accidentally fell off, off yes. a cliff it's... and then been eaten by penguins. It's... Look... I'm I'm not going to say it's similar to another media property, but there sure was a series of events which were all unfortunate. Yes. It sure was a series of events that were unfortunate. And, and it was a, a group of children who yes, uh, um, fell from like a, a, a very wealthy, well-to-do family and then ended up on a series under of... Under the care of terrible people and... Very terrible people. ...bumping into uh, a very evil person who's trying to get their inheritance yes. from them. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I made the comparison. Very tonally different. Yes. Um, yes. I think the best way to explain the, the pacing uh, or the tone of... Of this um, and that you were describing this to our friends the other day was um, oh yay okay okay let's let's go skip and be happy in the corridor yay and then a few minutes later and two scenes later <laughs> okay let's go be sad in the corridor it's skip, skip, it's skip, it's skip, very stop, stop, stop. silly very exaggerated yes. um, 
it, it falls. It, it, I was going to say fourth wall breaks, but no, uh, things that are a little anachronistic to the time period it's set in. Yeah. It doesn't overuse them, I don't think. It, yeah. it, it dots them around a bit, but uh, it plays around with the tropes of the, you know, sort of Dickensian setting it's yes. making use of. Um, there was a man who kept swapping between wigs and hats that was. Uh, Incredibly impressive. The judge and three members of the jury, and and not just changing hats, but like facial expressions like of the full yeah. body change between full each affectation of the changes very fast. And for a character that was just say, or uh, each of that those members of the jury being like two or three words, usually guilty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it it it's a very fun show that works on its own. It works on its own uh, as a complete story that. If you didn't know this was based on a radio show that went on for several more seasons, you wouldn't finish this going, I feel like I only got part of a story. Mm-hmm, yeah. It it very much tells a complete standalone story, and I I think it was it was a fantastic night at the theatre. Yeah. It's um it was yeah, it's running for like I think another probably about a week and a half now, if you're listening to this on release day. Uh so if if you fancy I I only knew it happened because Ellen from uh, Outside Extra uh, <laughs> talked about it on uh, a Pikmin stream recently. I was like, "What? The thing?" Yeah. And and then I found out the ticket tickets weren't the usual price of, of tickets in, in central London, which I appreciated because yeah, we, we I don't usually go to the theatre for the reason I have just assume I will be priced out of this. You, well, I mean, I'm not classy. The, the first night you looked at was a bit pricey. But yeah, the first night look, I looked at yeah. was like 90 quid to even sit on the ground floor. But then you found another night where it's like, oh, we can have like second row middle seats. Right. Which was perfect because front row we'd have been drowned by the fog machine. Second <laughs> row was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was good, and I think the cast did an amazing job. There was just amazing use of of space because it was largely yeah. a single set. Like there were a couple of bits that were changed changed yeah. here and there. I like the fact that like the, the the gravestones that popped up a couple of times <laughs> when they were supposed to be in the churchyard just um like flipped up out of the stage. Yeah, it it's for a thing that was largely here is a room in a house. Uh-huh. Uh, they did a very good job of like. Lighting changes to make you not think about the fact that 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 set still exists there. Um, the rotating section that the third time it rotated had something different on the back of it. Yep. In a way that was amusing when it happened. A lot of interesting technical things around the stage yep. that sort of catch you off guard when they first happen. Yeah. And and if you happen to be seated uh, a decent amount of time before. Uh... Before the the show starts, it, it is a fascinating set to sort of peer around. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had a good time. Had enjoyed a, the thing, and, had a very and I'm, good I'm time. glad. Glad we took a punt on uh, on trying a thing. It was a very very nice theatre experience, mm-hmm. and one I would definitely recommend. Yeah, have you watched anything else? Ah, uh, not really. It's not been a watched heavy week. That was the main. Uh, that was the main one. It was. Yeah. Well then, time for this. Hey, Laura. Yes? We've got a new sponsor. <gasps> Tell me about a new sponsor. Well, do you enjoy media? I do enjoy media. Do you enjoy media that maybe has, like, a lot going on in it? I mean, I do. Maybe I do. something that has spanned decades. Well, I mean, look, I, I know there's, there's classic examples like Zelda. I like how all the games, I mean, up until Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, sort of fit a bit of a chronology. I, I, that that sort of thing. Yeah, that sort of thing. Like, but, but like, the, but also like, if you include things like the manga and and that, oh. that 
TV series they they started writing because I believe the scripts are are out there in some cases. I I suppose so. There's been like audio stuff and there was that fan film that was kind of but also not but maybe kind of part of part of the canon okay and then yeah. you know there was the cereal boxes and and technically I, those told the story as well i mean yeah you, technically those are all parts of yeah that the, the the wider story but like they're not connected though right but what if what what if what if you could find out that they were somehow <gasps> tell me more this week's sponsor is t- oh fuck This week's sponsor is Timeline.ai.lol.net Oh no, I see where we're going You just tell it what the thing is And answer all the stuff And it'll bullshit you a timeline Oh god, I'm looking at the drop down menu options Mm -hmm, here mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to be within the same, like, series I could put in Kirby and Spongebob, how do they, how are they the same universe? Oh, that sure is a lot of AO3. That is, uh, that, a, lo- that, that is a lot of AO3. Uh, that, that sure is. Um, skimming, skimming, Kirby's up on the land, Spongebob's under the water. That one was not that hard to make into one unified timeline, I guess. This didn't need that many snails. It really didn't. <laughs> not even Gary. None of them was Gary. Oh, well, I guess, I I guess we've, we know how those universes connect now. Well, that's my eyes, my eyes, ah, my eyes, timeline.ai.lol.net. Don't. Don't. Just don't. But if you want, is there. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, I've been working on some, uh, some money-saving techniques for us. Right. Because right. money we save is money in our pockets. Yeah. So, uh, I was looking through the books and going, hey, like, what do we spend money on here? Right. And one of the things is designing characters. You know, right. we, characters, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. characters have faces. We gotta, we gotta pay someone to make the face. Right. And I yeah, thought... Because we tried it with AI and... It- Came out oh, kind of weird. Un- unsettling was the word they used. Uh, that was the word, yeah. And, deep, and all our deeply arcs, unsettling. And all our experiments with the, you know, the cameras on the last generation of consoles that, you know, you could put your face on, like, your baseball players or whatever in the game. And that, that all, that didn't work out well, well either. So. No, but I think technology's moved on a little, and I think yeah, we might yeah. be, you know, cycling back around. So right. uh, I was, I was trying to think how, how I, I've got an idea, but let me, let me backtrack. I, I've been thinking of ways to sell this idea because ah. uh, we gotta make, uh, we gotta make this seem like it's, uh, it's a, it's a good thing we're introducing. We're not just, you know, trying to get out of doing work. So here's what I propose. Right. right. Um, we, we put out an app that's like. Uh, Ah, you don't want your uh, kids that are too young playing Call of Duty? Well, uh, just download this app and scan scan your face, and uh, you know, we'll 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 definitely work out what your age is based on that. It's definitely not purely an excuse for us to scan your face with the cameras on your new fancy smartphone. Right? Yeah, and they all do that now. Yeah, they all do that. They all do the mapping stuff and steal your face for use on a character in our games. Because, like, look, you know, someone might see an NPC and go, that looks an awful lot like me. They can't prove it. Right. You know, it's just a coincidence. And, you know, if we, you know, move the sliders and stuff, the 
the skeleton stuff underneath is going to be different anyway, even I mean, if it, it's their skin mapped over the top of it. Well, I mean, maybe we just slip something in the, in the EULA that says we're allowed to use the uh, the face scanning data, because yeah, no yeah, one yeah. fucking reads those things. Exactly. I mean, you, you throw that e- even in on, on, on page, bottom of page one, people still won't even read that. Yeah. What I'm, I'm saying is, you know, I mean, we can use it in multiple ways. We, well, we do use it as is, but also, you know, we, we you know, we mix and match. Well, look, here's my thought. If if we do get rumbled and they work out what we're doing, right. I think we could really easily PR spin it as actually a positive. Someone right. realizes, like, oh, I recognize my own face on a character. You stole my likeness. We go... You have just a boring basic face. Oh, no, no. I was oh, going right. to go more complimentary. I was going to go... Right. Uh, you won a secret competition you didn't know about, right? And won the chance to be in the game. That's right. what this is. Yeah, you're in the game because it's it's it, you won. It's all the crimson method you drank. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's made you forget that you won this. <laughs> yeah. So, like, look, even if we get caught out, I think we can weasel our way out of this. Right. With some, you make 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 it sound like a like a positive. You are a fucking genius. I know. So. Huh. What have you put in your ears? I put a couple of bits of music in my ears. Mm. A couple of new bits of music I hadn't heard. New music? Yeah. Maybe. I, I say new music. One of them is a new version, a, a cover of a song I'd heard before, but it was a new, I hadn't heard that cover before. Okay. Um, so I listened to No Children Scar by Sad Snack. Uh, so No Children is a song uh, by the uh, the Mountain Goats. Uh-huh. You might know this from TikTok because it's the, the song that has um, I am drowning, there is no sign of land that people sort of do I the little the one, yes. thing where they pretend to drown, drown uh, go, going down hand in hand. Um, it is quite an intense song about like bitter feelings in the end of a relationship between two people. Mm-hmm. Um, of like... Yeah, it is this, the original is this, like, like, song about this relationship is ending and I've reached a point where, like, I actively want you not to be happy and that's quite a complicated thing to wrestle with, um, you know, covered as a scar track with, um, like, a sort of, like, pretty punk, like, slightly shouty punk, um, vocal line to it, but very knees up, bouncy scar sound. (laughs) Um, the contrast between, like, the dark, heavy lyrics, the bouncy, danceable scar beat, and the angry, like, punk vocal delivery made for a fascinatingly discordant clash. That sounds wild. Yeah, it is... I really enjoy it in in that sense of... uh, How how do do I put this? It's... it, It feels like I'm really angry, I'm going to paint how angry I am in neon colors. Ah. It's that sort of vibe. It's, 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 I like it a lot. Um, and the other one I listened to was uh, a track called IDGAF, which stands for I Don't Give a Fuck, uh, by Shining. Uh, it is a sort of fast-paced electronic rock track about just sort of partying in the apocalypse, which is a genre that I didn't realize that was a genre. But the more I think about it, that's a genre, and when it crops up, I tend to really enjoy it. Um, there's bits of this track that remind me of My Chemical Romance's Na Na Na. Not necessarily, like, one-to-one, but mainly in terms of, like, lyrically, the way it uses this sort of uh, palette of neon rebellion and explosion imagery. Mm-hmm. That sort of, like... I'm gonna I'm gonna have a party at the end of the world while everything's g- going to shit. We're gonna re- rebel in neon paint. 
it, it's it's fun. It's a bit it is, neon paint week. It's a bit. It's, it's been a. It's been a what if what if my anger was painted in neon kind of music week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, both of them were fun in different ways. Um, uh, IDGAF was definitely more consistent in its theming, whereas uh, No Children Scar was we're gonna clash and you're gonna be okay with it. <laughs> Uh, what about you? What did you listen to this week? Uh, well, I am in a bunch of Magnus Archives fan groups because uh, I enjoy the ridiculous content. I am excited for the Magnus Protocol, whenever the fuck that is going to happen. And also, the I hope that they will send me in similar directions. And somebody did this week. Um, they're talking about a podcast called uh, Tartarus, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> I found it on podcast guru or whatever the fuck it's called yeah there's an app yeah yeah podcast guru it's my <laughs> app it's the one people recommended i don't know if it's good um yeah it's 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 very i suppose it is a bit like the first season of of magnus archives of like you don't really know what's going on but but less of a uh i don't know how it's connected because the stories all do run very much one after the other it's not an anthology despite the fact that then as things goes on it's talking more about various things it's more like a an alternate version of the scp foundation Mm. what if there were horrors beyond knowing but maybe they existed as creatures that are kept in this secret antarctic base surrounded by landmines just in case the universe itself unravels uh-huh maybe cool. or maybe not but also it's very secretive and even the person in charge maybe doesn't know all of the things there like there are mentions of a head office it's quite short uh like you can probably listen to i think all all of it that exists so far in about eight uh, in about like Six hours, maybe, right now. Mm. Yeah, I am coming up on the on the on the last episode. Their last update was November twenty twenty two. So, but it does seem like they tend to do stuff in in August September. So, if new stuff is coming, it might be coming this year. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but, but I don't know yet. But um, yeah, it's about this person who um, she lives in the shadow of her sister who could be an astronaut and all sorts of other things. And she ended up as a, a, a lecturer in a, in a university talking about the, uh, I guess it's xenobiology, like possible alien mm. biology, what we could expect and, and how we, we basically have to assume that there is alien life in the universe because statistically it doesn't make sense that we are alone. And it would be ridiculous to think otherwise, but 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 life can take on all manner of of, of different uh, forms, and we shouldn't necessarily expect them to look anything like us, behave anything like us, like us, or even be understandable by us. So it's uh, but she then loses a job because apparently tenure doesn't mean shit in the modern age. I I don't really know how university do. Uh, tenure is in theory um, essentially a job for life. You've you've done job good for a long time. Your job is now secure. But it seemed like capitalism has capitalism that. I, yeah. I don't know if that is is actually the truth. Um, but that that is the, is the situation that we are in in this story. There seems to be shadowy, possibly organisations m- manipulating this whole thing. And our main character 
gets to the facility. Like, a lot of the first episode is how she ends up getting there and, and, and why. And then the the next episode is just the the journey there and the initial getting involved. Then it's uh, the third episode is a little bit of a tour, and the fourth episode of uh, is something happen. Good luck. <laughs> uh, almost immediately that she gets there, like she finds out that she can't say her own name aloud. It just Ooh. comes out like static. And she has assigned a new name that she does not like, but the uh, the director insists upon it. Which, given that the name of the facility is Tartarus, and she is given the name Persephone, there's, there's mm. all, all manner of, of things that could be said, especially in a world where the 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 uh, the things are kept underground and uh, they are a, a possible demonic uh, persuasion. And uh, season two, I'm I'm like halfway through episode uh, seven or uh, episode seven overall, the the third episode of, of season two. Um, there might be some much larger questions about these creatures and the nature of the world that this all exists in. Um, yeah, I am fascinated, and and I guess I will find out some answers, and while I uh, while getting more uh, within the next. Hour and a half of, of show listen. Yeah. What about you? you listen to anything else? Oh, that's about it for me. Well then, <gasps> time for this. You uh, want some of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Did you know? Mm. Yeah. That. Uh, you know, like, like you'll have a delivery, yeah. Yeah. And and you'll be like sitting there, yeah. Yeah. And you'll get one of them notifications, yeah. And it's like, uh, we have delivered your parcel. It was, yeah. uh, it was like, you know, uh, as you weren't available. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and you're like, well, you know, I've been. Sat here in this, you know, cloud yeah. of smoke, eating a pot noodle and watching whatever cartoon this is. Some, yeah, yeah. some weird. I, I have definitely not been unavailable at any yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, I might check out occasionally a little bit, but I have been physically here. Yeah, and, the doorbell you know, went, I'd have known probably. I, you know, I'm, I'm easily startled, you know. Yeah. But, you know, prepared to, you know, answer the door. And, you know, they're like, well, you weren't, we weren't in. So we, we, you know, we left it in your safe space, you know? Yeah. Right. And I'm like, how did you get it into the carpet in my bedroom? And I realised that that's not what I meant. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll check outside and it's, it's on, on, on the doorstep. Right? Yeah. So, what I think is going on, yeah. A courier is four-dimensional. You don't say. I, I do, yeah. I mean, I guess you did, yeah. Because, yeah. right. <laughs> like, otherwise, I would have, you know, heard them coming up the stairs, right? I would have, like, no, you know, because, you know, there's the stairs to my flat, yeah. 
Yeah. And then, like, I'd have heard the doorbell. Yeah. Well, you know, turns out, four-dimensional courier, non-Euclidean doorbell. I mean, I mean, it is an explanation. Exactly, right? You ring that doorbell once... Doesn't doesn't ring in, in this dimension, especially you know if you yourself are a, like a four dimensional being. So you know you're ring it a few times. Yeah. Enough that it wraps around and reaches our dimension. Yeah. And then that's when I get the door. I mean, it makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. 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 <sighs> It's your turn to put the kettle on, mate. Oh, I could get out for that. Yeah, yeah. Welcome along, welcome along. Please, please, please take a box or a a high perch. There are shelves around the room for for high perching. Thank you for coming today. Um... Uh, though you are on my territory, so I will hiss at you all later. But for now, thank you for for coming. And today, you are in the first step to getting more snacks. We all want more snacks. So, the easiest way I have noticed that when the humans feel that they have done us wrong, then they will give us more snackies. So, what we need to do is engineer more ways to get the humans to feel bad so they give us more snackies. And so, first of all, try always being right by their feet. They think they have stepped over you, but they have not stepped over you. Oh, oh, even if they did step over you, and you slipped out from under their foot at the last minute. If you make the right squealing noise, mm. then they will assume they stepped on you and they will have to give you more snackies. Mm. Exactly. That mm. an excellent demonstration there. Mm. Thank you, assistant. And now, if you could all practice your rails. Mm. And then there is a, some mannequin legs here for you to rub up against and practice uh, making them trip and fall and stumble. Next is blending in with the cushions so when they sit down on the sofa they they will sit on you. Obviously you make yourself look fluffier than you are so that they do touch you but you have plenty of time to uh, scoot before the butt touches you uh, fully and then they have to give you more snackies. And okay, if you could practice the screech from the the being set on. No, no, it's more. Exactly. You have to make it sound like you have been injured. Exactly. Yes, clumsy human, silly human. And then if you can all practice doing the face that makes it look like you are sad, which just means just slightly tilt your head up. So did it looks like the mouth is more droopy, even though it is just the shape of our mouths. Mm. Mm. Remember, chin up, droopy face, I'm sad now. These mm. knackies. Excellent work there. Excellent work there. Yes, yes, I think we are all making good progress. Mm. And we will see you all next week. And we will do the weigh-in to see who has gained 
No, wait, because of the good snackies. Well, then, everybody, good luck in your quests. Now, get off. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Virtual Justice Warriors. Virtual Justice Warriors? Yeah. Right, Larry. Right, Barry. How you doing? Oh, I know. A bit gassy, mate. You, you, you doing all right? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I've just been uh, seeing some misinformation floating around. I've oh, been trying my best yeah, to, yeah. to combat, you know. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Well, I've been seeing... You've seen much about... Um, there, you know, there's that strike going on at the moment. Oh, yeah, the writers yeah, yeah. and the actors and, and yeah, stuff. And yeah, yeah, it's a sports strike. But I've seen some confusion because there are some movie stars in America that are currently making movies. Right. That are, you yeah. know, acting in films, are writing right. scripts, etc. Uh, you know, not for any of the struck studios, but right. for uh, some, some other studios. And I've seen some right. sort of confusion of people not really sure what's going on going, they're making movies during the strike, they're being a scab. Right, and right. It's kind of important to, uh, you know, be, you know, uh, to, to dispel that. I've seen some yeah. people, you know... So I that there is a target to these strikes yeah. uh, and reasons and yeah, certain yeah. people are being asked for certain things and that is the reason for this action. Yeah, so, that you know, it, it's the the people being angry at people they've seen as crossing the picket line spreads faster than the, you know, people in, in SAG trying to, yeah. trying to spread the message. But the, yeah. the basic version is there... One of the, uh, the indie studios, I think it's A24... Um, has been doing some filming. Uh, and the reason they're allowed to do that is because they went to SAG and were like, you know, what were your terms you were seeking from all the big studios? You know, yeah. what were all the, the deal points you were trying to get them to agree to? If we agree to all those points, if we agree to all the things you're trying to, you know, that you want them all to agree to, yeah. will you let us keep making films? Yeah. And SAG's stance on that is, of course, if you do all of the things that we're asking... If you you give all of the, the the things we're striking for, then sure you can make movies. Yeah. In the same way that if you know the big movie studios agree to that same list of points, they can also make get back to making movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and very specifically, I'm, you know, I'm sure they don't want to be standing out in there in the the searing sun, you know, marching up and down streets with no shade. Yeah, uh, you know, they, they would they would much rather be, you know actually having some some negotiations or, or or even you know some fair consideration for the points they are you know trying to ask in a in a terribly yeah. unfair system and like it's it's specifically important to get this out there that these people aren't being scabs and it, you know it's not only like it's a neutral that they're making these things but it's actively a positive and yeah. you get that messaging out there because a it shows the big studios it is possible. possible. It is possible to agree to all our terms and, and still afford to make movies. Can do it. Exactly. If they can afford to do it, you know, you can afford to do it too. These are not unreasonable terms. People can afford to make movies under yeah, them. Yeah. Um, but it also is really important for, um, you know, there are wonderful things like uh, there. There is a fund uh, that's available right now for like helping financially support the uh, the strike, so that yeah, uh, you know yeah, yeah. people in tough financial situations in the union can have some financial support. Yeah. But what uh, you know, allowing you know uh, studios that agree to the interim agree interim agreement uh, to to film does, is it means that some people in desperate need of work can go and work on those projects yeah. without you know having broken the strike. Yeah, and I imagine and, many of them are considerably freer at the moment for 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 for, for all that. Yeah, specifically like a lot of like stage crew, back of yeah, back yeah, of house yeah. crew, a lot of those like on set crew jobs. Um, you know, and every one of them that can be working on a project that's agreed to the strike, you know, the union's terms 
is one fewer person who might need financial support from that fund. And that means that that strike fund can last longer and weather, you know, the long term. Yeah, because, you know, they, they're they not going to get seven figure uh, uh, cash injections into that every week. And exactly. they, it's, it's any, any, you know, like, like people with, with Patreons will say, you know, it's, it's as, as much appreciated as, as, as the, uh, you know, the, the big payments are, you know, what, what keeps you, very often uh, going is is regular small amounts from a a large number of people you know or in this case a few fewer people needing to dip into the fund will make the run last longer that that, that as well yeah Yeah. Yeah. so it's you know I've seen some misinformation but it's it's good that there are studios that are uh, you know not breaking across in the picket line and able to be making things because these terms are very you know it's very possible to agree to them and make yeah. films yeah and and you know i i am glad that you know the big companies being shown up and I, and i hope that uh, more people will you know cotton on to that to, to you know understand that that is 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 the uh, is the situation yeah, just be on the lookout for it because I've seen a lot of people accusing certain people of being scabs, and it's like, no, they're act- they're actively doing what the union has told them is a good idea to do. Yeah, under yeah. what under union agreed terms. Yeah, and you know you can you can go on the on the uh, Writers Guild of, of America uh, website. You can go on the um, SAG Africa yeah. uh, website, and you know they're they you know demands and their requirements and uh, the the rules of the strike are listed in very clear and, and simple and, terms and, in, and indeed what determines a, a, a break of those terms you know exactly. and you know you can't just say for example go to the you know go to the union and go can I please have permission to keep making my film because I'm special exactly a, a lot of a lot of people have misunderstood that that's what's happening but it's yeah. uh, no well, they're just happening but not well, these I mean, people yeah i mean they're not the, the union isn't saying yes to those people oh no oh where's it going mate oh yeah <sighs> Yeah. Uh, good on, mate. Good on. Good on. Right. I think I'm going to pop the kettle on. Oh, sounds good. Nice, nice. So, Laura. Yes? You do things and people like might want to find those things. Where can they find I the things that you do? I do stuff and you can find it pretty much everywhere at Laura K. Buzz. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Um, uh, Blue Sky, Threads, Mastodon, Laura K. Buzz on all the things. Um, if you check out my social media over on, say, Twitter or Mastodon or Threads or wherever, um, this week I put up a post which I'll be sharing a bit because, uh, me and my Dysphoria Monster, uh, got nominated for the 2023 Diverse Book Awards. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the picture book category, which is exciting. But we also are in the Reader's Choice category, which is a category that you can vote on. And if you oh, think yeah. that that book, you know, is valuable in some way, you'd like to go, hey, that's, that's a book I, I think more people should, should know about. Yeah. Go find the link on my socials and maybe, maybe vote for it in the Reader's Choice category for the Diverse Book Awards 2023. What about you? Where are you at on the internet? Me, I'm a, uh, I've got a link tree. It's linkter.ee slash janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. You can find the t-shirts I designed, the things I write, the music I did do, and pretty much everything else I, I do in various locations. 
Uh, you can help support me and the things I do at patreon.com slash stonedmonkeyradio. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help me justify 76-hour work week and all manner of other things and help me do do and and keep going in the... Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. Uh, yeah, that's all the things. Uh, Laura, yeah. you sing us out, please, darling. Until next time, be a stranger.